Welcome to the Linked Up Church Podcast. We are passionate about connecting people to God, family, purpose, and community. Today, Pastor Joel Gregory continues in his powerful series entitled Non-Negotiables. Make sure to share this with your friends and your followers, and let's go into the worship center and hear what God has for us today. So we're talking about non-negotiables, and we know the definition of that is not open to negotiation or discussion. So how many know there are certain things in the Scripture that we just can't debate? How many of y'all agree with that? We can't justify it. We can't explain it away. We just can't do any of those things. It's either true or it's not. We either believe it or we don't. It's really not up for discussion and it's not up for negotiation. And so again, let's read our foundation text and then I'm just going to go and pick up with all new information from today. Our foundation text is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 through 11. We know we don't start at verse 9, but we took last week to talk about context and how we actually arrived at verse 9. So I can't go back today to do that. Uh, But it says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. And key word there is inherit. So we're talking about eternal life. So those that are unrighteous will not inherit eternal life or the kingdom of God. And then he puts emphasis on this. Do not be deceived. That word deceive means to roam from safety, from the truth or virtue, to go astray, to err to allow yourself to be seduced, to wonder, or to be out of the way. So it's really giving you some insight. Everyone that practices what we describe, what we'll describe and talk about today are actually in deception. Now, if you know anything about the Bible in Matthew chapter 24, deception is one of the key areas in the last days that the enemy will use. So much so that he says, even the very elect will be deceived if it's possible. Right, So a lot of this is going to be so close that if you're not paying attention and really in tune with the Word of God, I mean, believers and even those that stand in pulpits can be deceived. So he says, be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, and we're going to talk about all of that today, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. And I'll show you why he had to put both of those in there today, because that community has a real argument if you don't look at both of those words in its proper context. If you just look at homosexuals without sodomites, then what they're saying is actually true. Because I mean, the world studies the Bible too. Right? To defend what it is that they want to live. But we're going to look at that real clear today and get a real good understanding. Nor thieves, nor covetous, uh, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners uh, will inherit the kingdom of God. And the extortioner was the one that Paul was talking about in the first eight verses of the chapter as well as over into chapter five. And so really God is equally as concerned about how we treat each other as all the rest of this stuff. And so when we swindle our brother and our sister, I mean, God puts that in the same category as the fornicator, the adulterer, and everything else. So I want you all to understand with God, there's really no difference. All of it is the same. Other thing I want to make sure I say today is that, especially for those watching online, I'm ministering to the church, not the world. What did I just say? So who's my audience? Okay, we're clear. Paul is writing this letter to the church at Corinth, not to the world. So don't bring me worldly arguments. Bring me biblical arguments. 
You want to debate something, debate the world, but I will not debate worldly positions. Everybody clear? All right, now, let's get into this today. So, we talked about context is king. We had two points under that. Christians taking other Christians to court, right? Swindling each other. Uh, as I shared with you on last week, uh, my biggest challenge, you know, really has is, is been with believers. It hasn't been with the world. Amen. It's happened to my wife and I three times over the course of our 25-year marriage where a believer, right? Real prominent believer swindled us, Right? And God pushed that in the same category as all the rest of that. Because he expects us to treat each other better. Right? Biblical, right? Galatians chapter 5, 6 rather. Do good unto all men, but especially those who are of the household of faith. Why don't you do good to your neighbor right now and just speak some life into him? Whatever you're led, say something good. Build them up right now. Encourage them. Speak life into them right now. All right, and, and letter B, Paul really addressed the real problem, right? And the real problem was that the unbelieving world was creeping into the church. So the culture around the Corinthian believers had crept into the church, right? And so what he was trying to help them understand is that we don't really have any business judging what the world is doing until we get our house in order. And that's why the world doesn't respect the church, because they actually see us doing the same thing that they're doing, telling them about Jesus. Okay? All right, let's get into this today. Number two, category one. So it's really a list of ten different areas. Five can be uh, really associated with sins done in the body, the first five. Okay, we're going to look at four. I can bind the last two, and that's intentional, right? I learned in Bible school, anytime you see a list in the Scripture, how I many know the Holy Spirit is intentional? Right? And so you pay attention to the first thing that's on that list because the first thing on the list is the most important, and it's probably what introduces the rest of it. Everybody clear on that? All right, so understand that when we get into this today. So we're talking about sins done in the body. Let's read verse 9 today. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not, see, that's not up for negotiation, will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators. Now, of course, we know we're talking about those that practice these behaviors. Fornicators, uh, idolaters, and you'll understand why that comes right after fornication. Adulterers, you'll understand why that follows idolatry. Homosexuals, you'll understand why that follows adultery, right? And you'll see, like, today we live in what's called an open society. Long as we agree, it's okay. So if we want to bring extra people in, we're not doing anything wrong because we both agreed on it. And so you'll see that that opens people up to all the rest of it. All right. So now, thank you all. This, in, this level of enthusiasm, I don't know if I've ever been in church and experienced this. I just want to thank you all for bringing the energy this morning. It, it is just, oh, it is just... 
I want to say this before I really get into this today. What Paul is doing here is he will not allow a religious faith that is separate from our actions. And so a lot of times what we do as the body of Christ, we say what I believe and what I do are actually two different things. So Paul will not allow that. So if a Christian, Christian can cheat and defraud his brothers without conscience, what he was challenging there is were they a Christian at all? That's why he said, do you not understand? When you do that, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. Right? So if he challenged it on extortion and swindling and cheating our brother and sister, then it has to be challenged on fornication, adultery, and all the rest of it. Is that person really a Christian? Or are they just parlaying as one? which ends up doing more damage to the body of Christ than good, okay? Now, let's, let's keep going here. So, letter A here, fornicators. Let's look at this one today. So, the word used here is a Greek word, pornos. So, you'll notice the world doesn't try to hide their agenda from you. All right, let, let's do this because that's going to be a distraction. Can we move them as quick as we can? So, if you all have seats that are near you, can you just slide in? All right, and let's get them in a seat, okay? Because that's going to be a real distraction to me. Okay, so if you have a seat next to you, just scoot in so that they can feel them in on the outside, okay? Right? Just kind of move in like this, and then they can feel that group of people in because I want to get everyone in the worship center, okay? All right, while they're doing that, I'll keep going, but don't let this distract you, okay? So the word he uses is the Greek word pornos, Okay? It's where we get our English word pornography. So if you understand what the Spirit of God is teaching us, most of this behavior, if not all of it, is introduced to us through pornography. Pornography today is a multi-billion dollar industry. And this refers to any kind of sexual immorality, right? But in the context of this passage, it's used more in the broad sense. So when we typically hear fornication, we think about, right, sex with someone I'm not married to. But it's really much broader than that. The, the broad sense here is refers to a persistent sexual activity outside of marriage. Right? So think about that now. Think about the word, Greek word. Think about our English word. I mean, you know, there can be a persistent sexual activity outside of marriage that doesn't have anything to do with other people physically. Because when a person is watching pornography, I mean, you know, they're not eating popcorn and, and drinking Kool-Aid. Come on, the light is in my eye. I need a real good amen in here, right? Usually one is entertaining oneself. Right? So if you don't understand this single people, pornography can destroy your ability to ever get married. People can get so comfortable and used to entertaining themselves that they really don't have a need. Pornography also can be the destruction of a, a marriage. Right? 
The reason idolatry is, is right behind that is because when we look at that more than we look at God, when we spend more time on that than we do with anything else, it's become an idol in our lives. We've put it before God and we worship in front of our screens and on our phones. And it opens us up, right? So, so it's not long, right? And I'm going to teach you this today. So the way information gets in your heart is through your eye gate, your ear gate, and your mouth gate. So it's not long before the condition of our hearts gets so consumed that we have to act out what we're seeing. Yes, amen. All right, so the Corinthians believe that the spirit, this is interesting to me, and the body were separate. This is what they believe. So what they did with their body had nothing to do with their spirit, right? And that has also crept over into the church today. So people can live a lifestyle of sin and say, but I love God. I get up every day. I spend time in the word of God. I praise God. I, I serve. I go to church, but live a life of sin. So what the Corinthians believed is that those two had nothing to do with each other. My spirit loves God. My body is a separate issue, which is when we read this later on, you'll see, which is why God said you've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God. He only named two with your body and your spirit, which are God's. Right. So, So notice then it must be the spirit, which I'll show you that controls the body. So when the body is out of control. Everybody clear? Can we just give God a real good hallelujah in here today? So there's one thing specifically that the Lord told me to talk about today in this category, and I wrote it down, okay? And it's called the sin of cohabitating, which we won't talk about today in churches, but I'm going to talk about it. You say, well, well, Pastor, the offerings might go down. The building is paid for. I, you can't buy me. Let, let it go down because I'm still going to keep preaching the truth. If the only people show up is my wife, my daughter, come on, the staff, come on, her friend, then I'm happy. I'm okay because I know there's a heaven waiting on me that's saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant. <laughs> Enter into the joy. That has been prepared. Let's talk about this or living together. This is something today that is depicted. I wrote down all my thoughts in our movies and television shows as the accepted norm. Used to be considered shocking, shocking, but it shocking, but it rarely even raises an eyebrow anymore. It's largely considered in our culture to be either the precursor to a legal marriage or a substitute for it altogether. Very few people say anything about it today because if they were to speak out against it, they know it would really offend and alienate most of the people that they know. So we don't want to come across as religious. Many people today have embraced this practice in such a way as to arrange every other aspect of their lives around this. We see this in church. 
Unmarried couples move into the same residence together in order to take away the inconvenience of traveling to engage in sexual activity together. So they take the position that we're doing everything anyway. So we might as well just move in with each other. Christians. Soon they share the bills and the groceries. They expect people to accept them as a couple with the same status as marriage. They enmesh their lives together in such a way as to become economically, socially, and emotionally dependent on living together. Right? So when you address it, they say, well, what are we going to do? Well, if you're a man, you should always be able to take care of yourself. I need a little better, better amen in that. I said, if you're a man, you should always be able to take care of yourself. Right? I don't find too many men that want to be dependent on a female. Most men want to be able to take care of themselves, which is the prerequisite for taking care of someone else. Right? And so it gets all meshed in there together. But the Bible says, listen to this, so long as someone embraces fornication as a lifestyle practice and refuse to turn from it, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Right? Two other verses for that. Scripture talks about don't let your good be evil spoken of. Because what we hear constantly is we live together, but we don't sleep together. Come on now. Come on. Or stay away from the very appearance of evil. Let's look now at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's drop down to verse 12 and let's go through verse 20. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. How many of y'all glad you came to church today? How many of y'all glad you tuned in online? Say, I'm glad I tuned in. Type that in, right? Listen to this now. Again, I'm going to put some alarming things out here, but it's for our edification, exhortation, our comfort, right? Conviction should lead to change. It's true that our freedom allows us to do anything, but that doesn't mean that everything we do is good for us. See, this is right after verse 11, right? So I can do whatever I want to do. That doesn't mean what I'm doing is actually good for me. Everybody clear? I'm free to do as I choose, but I choose to never be enslaved by anything. So Paul, the New King James Version, the King James Version says, I won't, be bought, I won't be brought under the power. So Paul said, I won't let anything control me but the Spirit of God. Right? So when something is controlling you and you can't stop it, how I many know you're no longer in charge? And you certainly not have allowed the Holy Spirit, who is your helper, to be in charge in that situation. Okay? So now watch this. He's going to say something in verse 13. So I I have said, I eat to live, and I live to eat. So he's showing you that appetite is strong. There are two things that are extremely strong in the earth. That's uh, food appetite and sexual appetite. How many know both of those are strong? Right? You ever notice when you get hungry, you'll eat anything. See, if, if your spirit is not filled up, you get hungry sexually, you'll try anything. I just can't, nobody's saying amen to me, and the light is just, 
because I'm in church. I should hear amen. Praise God. Glory. That's good, Pastor. Oh, stay right there, Pastor. Ooh, Pastor, that's good. Uh, I ain't getting none of that. This is all I'm getting. In church now. But he said, but God will do away with it all. Now, listen to this. The body was not created for illicit sex or fornication, but to serve and worship our Lord Jesus. Listen to this now, who can fill the body with himself. So, so notice our body wasn't created. You read the New King James Version. King James Version uses the word fornication. Our bodies weren't created for that. Our bodies were created for the Lord. And he can fill it with himself to control your physical appetite and your sexual appetite. I need a little bit of amen in here. He, he can do that, right? But, but an indication that we're not full of him is that both of those areas can end up destroying our lives. Now, I can prove to you that fornication and sex before marriage is not good for you because the World Health Organization tells us that there are over one million sexually transmitted diseases every day worldwide. Listen to this, and the majority of them are asymptomatic, which means you have it and you don't know it. World Health Organization says that each year there are an estimated 374 million new infections. Can't be good for us if it's bringing that kind of pain. More than 500 million people ages 15 to 49 years are estimated to have a genital infection, herpes simplex 1 or A, or herpes simplex 2. Listen to this. The CDC says 2019, there were 629,898 abortions in America. That's the result of fornication. See, you addressed the first one. We don't have to really worry about what the courts and what the law. We don't have to worry about what the world is doing. I'm going to throw this out because I'm going to circle back around. Abortion was never intended to be a, can I say this? A method of birth control. But when you cheapen yourself like that, right, and you don't see yourself, which the word is getting ready to show us, when you don't see yourself that way, you won't see other life that way either. See, so my life is cheap, so, so everybody else's life is cheap. And we don't take responsibility for our actions. And it really is appalling to me when you see people holding up signs saying, I won't come in my body, not a baby. Just pay attention, folks. They're not hiding this stuff from you. These are signs that are being used. Out picketing. Every head bowed, every eye closed in prayer. <laughs> Let's just leave because this is a tough audience today. Let's just go home. You all still with me out there today? This is a tough audience today. My God. Am I in church today? My goodness. Can, can somebody just give God a real good hallelujah in this place? Come on. So, somebody let me know I'm in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on. And we are on his side. 
Verse 14 says, Now the God who raised up our Lord from the grave will awaken and raise us up through his mighty power, the Holy Spirit, at the resurrection. Don't you know that your bodies belong to Christ and his body parts? Should one presume to take the members of Christ's body and make them into the members of a harlot? Absolutely not. Aren't you aware of the fact that when anyone sleeps with a prostitute, he becomes a part of her and she becomes a part of him? For it has been declared that the two become a single body. Right? And so what we don't understand is every time we sleep with someone that we're not married to, those two souls become one. Right? And this is why you'll see her take on his personality. And, and if he's a gangster, she want to be a gangster. If he thugged out, she want to be thugged out. Typically, whatever he is, she wants to become. Right? And then he treated that way, right? And she in another relationship. But she brought Tony with her into this one. And then he do it the same way, right? Now, I break this one off. Now, Tony and Anthony going with you into the next one. See, then before you know it, we're so confused, male and female. We can't trust anybody. Because it's really very difficult unless you go through, when we get to week four, you'll see this. Unless you go through this process, it's very difficult for one person to be ten different people in your life. Because you like this about that one, that 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 about that one. And then here he comes with two out of those 12. We all grown folks in here, right? See, and then we get into all of this other stuff. I like a certain size and blah, blah, blah. Here's the reality. If you stop doing that, you will adjust. Watch this. And once you adjust whatever size he is, it'll be too big for you. But see, if I'm playing with all other, uh, if I'm playing with stuff and batteries and all that kind of stuff, come on, how many know men can't compete with batteries? We all grown folks in here now. That light is just tearing me up. Are y'all still out there? All right, let's read. Let's keep going here. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is mingled into one spirit with him. See, now, now we're talking about something here. See, see, when I join myself at salvation, the two of us become one spirit. Which means me and him are a majority now. Right? And so, so look at what it goes on to say. Remember, see, outside of that, when you join, the two of you, whether you're married or not, become one flesh, one spirit, right? But, but when you get saved, how I many know that's supposed to die? Then you marry the Lord. And the two of you become one spirit. 
And his heart for you is that he can keep you until it's time for you to get married. Three hand claps. Maybe five in church again. Six, seven, eight, nine. I, come on, somebody encourage me. That's good, Pastor. <laughs> Keep going, Pastor. Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. All right? This is why you must keep running away from sexual immorality. Running. This is the only place in the Scripture. There are actually two. I found two where it says flee. Don't play with this. You can't handle it. You see what he said? If you put yourself in that situation, it's over. I can admit to that. That's why I don't put myself in that situation. Flee sexual immorality, right? For every other sin a person commits is external to the body. But sexual immorality involving, involves sinning against your own body. So it's really the lowest form of a low self-esteem. <laughs> Which is why so many people are trying to use it to build their self-esteem. When in reality, their, their self-esteem is at its lowest when you're giving yourself to people who care nothing about you. Self-esteem is at its highest when you see your body as the temple of the living God. Come on, somebody. And, 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 and nobody, this can't be violated. This is a gift that I give to someone on our wedding night. Not a game if somebody plays with me whenever they want to. Have you forgotten that your body is now the sacred temple of the spirit of holiness who lives in you? You don't belong to yourself any longer for the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, lives in your sanctuary. You were God's expensive purchase, paid for with tears of blood. So by all means, then use your body to bring glory to God. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Use your body to do what? It does not make me less of a man because I didn't sleep with my wife prior to marriage. That actually makes me more of a man. Doesn't make me less of a man because I haven't cheated on my wife since we've been married. It'd be 25 years. That actually makes me more of a man. See, a real man will keep his zipper zipped up and wear that proudly and walk around and declare the goodness of God in the land of the living. And he's not afraid to tell anybody that he meets that, listen, if that's what you're into, if you're into, then you're not for me because I am saving myself until I get married for that one special person that I can enjoy sex with for the rest of my life and making love to for the rest of my life. And I promise you, if you do it God's way, it'll be more than what you need for the rest of your life. You will not have to look around. You will not have to cheat. Come on. What God will give you will be more than enough. Come on. Somebody shout glory in this place. Now let's look at an example of this. I can tell I'm not going to get far today. Go with me to Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. Let's look at an example of somebody fleeing or running. Genesis 39. Let's start at verse 1. Genesis 39 says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, 
And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. And you all know the story. Joseph's brother sold him into slavery. But the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of the, his master, the Egyptian. Now, the reason he was a successful man is because the Lord was with him. And later on in the story, we're going to understand why the Lord was with him. He's just not just with him just to be with him. He's with him because Joseph has decided to live a certain way. Let's pick it up at verse 3. And the master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and he served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and out in the field. See, what you don't understand is when you decide to live right, God will bless where you work for your sake. Right? And God will bring you to a place of promotion and prominence, right? And he'll raise you up because you're living right a lot of times in an ungodly environment. You're taking a stand for him. You're doing what's right because it's right. God said, I'll bless that company because my son or my daughter is there. Look at verse 6. So thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except the bread which he ate. Now, Joseph was a handsome in form and appearance. So, in other words, Joseph looked good, and he was also in great shape. He kind of looked like I look right now. He kind of like in that vein right there. He kind of in that vein. I'm just kidding. Verse 7, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie. Now, what you've got to understand, listen to me, man. The higher you go up, the more eyes are going to long at you. And you can think that has something to do with you and your physical appearance and your muscles, but it's really Satan setting you up. It doesn't take much. Just watch television today. Just watch the news, right? I won't mention any scenarios, but as soon as he got as high as he could get to, See, now everywhere he walked, coach. <laughs> See, they'll time it perfect. As soon as you come, they'll walk right by. <laughs> I'm trying to teach somebody something here today. Because if you don't get it at this level, you won't get it when you get married. Because the game doesn't change. It's the same game that got you when you were single. It's the same one that's going to get you when you marry. Y'all want a little bit more of this? I need all the real men in here to say amen. I need a little bit more bass than that. I need all the real men in here to say amen. All right, watch this now. Can I get a roof, roof? Can I get a house? Whatever all that means. All right? Now watch this now. 
So she looked at him and she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in this house. And he has committed all that he has in my hand. There's no one greater in this house than I. Nor has he kept back anything from me but you. Because you are his wife. Listen to what Joseph says. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Now notice what he didn't say. Notice what he didn't say. He did not say do this wickedness and sin against you. He said how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? See, and what you don't understand is if God can't keep you, you can't be kept. So if you're trying to keep yourself for your wife, it, it won't happen. You keep yourself for God, and God will keep you. Everybody clear on that? So, so notice his conviction is higher than females. I'm trying to teach you something today. His conviction is way higher than females. Amen. See, if females still tripping you up. See, Paul said, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And folks, I came to tell you today, sleeping with someone you're not married to is childish. See again, know it? See that? You see that? See how quiet it got? That's why I'm going to say it again. Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I thought as a child, I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Sleeping with somebody that you're not married to is extremely childish. Amen. Amen. Okay, five amens. Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I thought as a child, I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And anyone sleeping with someone that, that, that they're not married to is childish. Fifteen, amen. Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Anyone who sleeps with someone that they're not married to is extremely childish. Verse 10, so it was that she spoke to Joseph day by day. She trying to wear this boy out. See, we think this was just one time. This went over on for a long period of time. And how many of you know, ladies, help me out out here. Each time she trying something different. Because that last outfit didn't work that last time. Come on, ladies, don't leave me out here by... Come on, I'm talking about next time Joseph come in, she, she like, Joseph, that didn't work. Then she, she like, Joseph, that didn't work. I mean, at one point, she's trying to just turned around on him like, Joseph, Joseph, and Joseph still said. I'm talking about she trying everything she know to do. And Joseph still not going for it. Come on, let's give Joseph a big round of applause in this place. Because how many of Come on, let's just keep it real in here. Come on, fellas, keep it real. Come on, this Potiphar's wife. You know she's smoking. You know she's bad. You 
thinks he's got the best of everything. And Joseph is still saying, So it was that she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her and to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work. And none of the men of the house were inside. I wonder why not. Now, I'm going to give you all a little insight. I'm gonna tell you, I've been teaching my wife this for years. This, this is not her first rodeo. She done already worked all the mother boys. She ain't just show up like this. She been like this. See, I've been telling my wife, when a guy gets caught, that ain't his first. That's just when he got caught. Of course, he going to say, no, that's just, I never done that. I don't know how I got caught up. I love myself. It was an emotional. We were talking on the phone. (laughs) This ain't her first rodeo. She put all them out. She said, y'all know the drill already. Then she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. So in other words, she might had it. Now, you ain't going to turn me down today. But he left his garment in her head and fled and fled and ran outside. And so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside that she put together this master scheme to lie on. Right? And this is what Paul was talking about earlier, right? In, in, in chapter 5 and 6, right? If you suffer for doing right, so be it. So I'll just wrap it up this way. Joseph went to jail over, over that. But he went to jail wrongfully. But guess what? The same God that was with him in the house and out in the field was with him in jail. So now we see the same grace on his life, the same anointing. Everything in the jail was placed under Joseph's care, right? If you do your homework and you study, he ended up spending 13 years in jail, which is the same amount of time had he continued to work for Potiphar that it would have taken to make it the third in charge. So God, for every year he served, God was counting it to his credit. So by the time he got released, he came out from prison to third in charge. Because even if people wrongfully accuse you of something and you keep your heart right, God will still prosper you wherever you're at. Come on, I need a little better. Come on, I need a little better. Amen. Don't take them to court. Don't try to sue them. Come on, if God leads you that way, just commit that into his hands and he'll still prosper you. Now, really, I'm over my clock. Can I get about five more minutes just here real quick? And we didn't even get past one of these today. Let me show you something about yourself. Go to Matthew chapter 12, and I'll just close with these two verses. We'll complete this one today. Matthew chapter 12, 33 through 37. See, a lot of people want to blame a lot of different things for how they ended up the way that they are. And it's everybody else's fault. But the Bible teaches personal responsibility. Okay, look at verse, uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. It says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. Watch this. But the tree is known by its fruit. Now, how many of you know we're not talking about a physical tree outside? We're talking about a human life. 
So notice what he said. You either make your tree good and your fruit good, or you make your tree corrupt and your fruit corrupt. But the way we know you is by your fruit, not by what you say, but by what your life produces. Right? And so that's why, listen, single people, when you're out here dating, they'll tell you whatever they think you want to hear. They need to prove it. I said they need to prove it. Well, see, I'm in between jobs, and I, I recently started a business, and, and I'm, uh, but, but I got, you know, my great-grandfather left me $100,000, and so I'm going to figure out how to parlay that into to a business, and then from there, we're going to, you know, we just, I'm about to blow up. All I'm saying, ladies, wait till he blow up. Just wait. Because how do you know a tree? See, once you get further along, people do stuff too fast, right? Be friends for at least a year. And then look at a credit score. It's going to tell you everything you need to know. If it's 267, that, he can't do nothing but live, but move in with you. You brood of vipers. How can you then, being evil, speak good things? Now watch this. I'm going to show you what happens to people. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of where? What follows that? The mouth speaks what is in abundance in a person's heart. Okay. How did it get into a person's heart in abundance? Okay, let's keep reading. For a good man out of the good treasure of his heart. That word treasure there means deposit. So a good man out of the good deposit of his heart brings forth good things. See, I spend time in the word. I spend time in prayer. I spend time in worship. I chose good friends. I'm doing good things, and my heart is full of that. So what I produce is good things. But an evil man out of the evil treasure or deposit brings forth evil things. See, if I sit around, I don't know why I keep thinking all these sections. See, if I'm sitting around watching stuff all day long, I mean, I'm filling my heart in abundance. So you see, the process is the same for both. But the individual is doing that to themselves, not somebody else. But I say to you that every idle word that a man shall speak shall give an account of in the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. Right? And notice, where do words come from? Out of the abundance of the heart. How do things get in our heart into an abundance? What we see, what we hear, and what we say. Right? Music is very pornographic today. Very violent. You notice our society is very pornographic today, very violent. Yes, yes. Amen. Amen. You know, when I was a kid, there was a time when you'd never see crimes committed against two categories of people, children and the elderly. Guess what? Those two are the most preyed upon today. How did our hearts get that bad? Go with me to Matthew chapter 15. 
music department, you can begin to prepare yourselves. I'm going to close right here. You all get anything out of this today? We'll just, I'm going slow. We'll get to idolatry next week, and you'll understand why idolatry follows fornication, sexual immorality. Right? Once we set that up as an idol in our lives, we open ourselves up to everything else. Right? You'll see that very clearly. We don't see it that way, but it actually really is because we've now put a person before God. In Matthew chapter 15, he furthers this thought, right? The disciples still don't understand what he talked about in chapter 12. So in chapter 15, Jesus said, are you all still without understanding, right? Because the Pharisees saw Jesus eating food without washing his hands, right? And so they're more concerned about what's happening on the outside. Jesus is more concerned about what's happening on the inside, okay? So Jesus said to his disciples, do you not understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach? And is eliminated. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. Watch this. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts. Same, almost the exact same list. False witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things that defile a man, but to wash with un washed hands does not defile a man. So, so I'm going to close here for today. So notice a person commits sexual immorality in their heart long before they do it physically with another person. Right? A person commits adultery in their heart first long before they do that to their spouse. Right? This is why don't beat yourself up, ladies or men. It really had nothing to do with you. It was really a reflection of who they were, not who you are. Right? It only becomes a reflection of who you are when you want to get revenge. And you say, since you did that, I'm going to do this. Now you're the same. Everybody clear? Okay. All of this starts in the heart. You remember in Matthew chapter 5? When Jesus said um, these words, very powerful words, right? He said, when a man looks in his heart to lust after her, he's already committed adultery in his heart. So you see where the process begins with looking. See, once I start looking, things start entering. Right? Then after they enter, typically now conversations take place. Words begin to follow. And then once words get out, I mean, you know, actions follow words, right? And then you've got to be able to back all the way up to see where did that start. That started in your heart. Okay, let's all stand to our feet. I'm just going to close right here for the day. Let's all lift our hands to the Father and just begin to worship him. I'm still believing God for a church. Where not sleeping together before marriage is the norm. I'm believing God for a church where husbands and wives remain faithful to each other and stay committed to that marriage covenant all the days of their lives. I'm believing God for that with all of my heart. Okay, before I minister to you today, just go ahead and continue to worship to God, worship God. You all remember over in Luke chapter 4 when Jesus was ministering to the woman at the well? 
right? And, and she was there to really draw water. And Jesus told her that, that I have water that if you drink this water, you'll never thirst again. Through that dissertation and that conversation, she finally got to a point where she said, I want Jesus, give me that living water. But you'll notice Jesus said, no, first things first. He said, before I give you this living water, go call your husband. And she said, what, sir, I'm not married. He said, in that you've truly said you're not married. You've actually had five husbands, and the one that you're married to now is not your husband. So notice she had never been married, but he described every person that she'd been with as a husband. Then she says, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. So notice Jesus couldn't give her the living water so that she would never be thirsty again, which is the Holy Spirit to come and live on the inside of her. He couldn't give her that until he addressed the sin issue. See, and a lot of times, it's not God holding you back. It's you holding you back. And finally, that woman released that and let that go. And she went on to be a powerful evangelist. She was a Samaritan. She went back into her city and told all the people in her city, come and see a man who told me everything that I'd ever did. Right? So I'm just proving to you that conversion obviously took place and now she's out witnessing. Okay? I'm challenging, especially men in here today, I'm challenging you. I'm challenging men and women. God wants to take you to a high place, but he can't get you there until you address what's going on in your life. And it takes a real man or a real woman to do that. See, we all come out of something, right? How, how many, raise your hand. We all come out of something, right? But boy, I'm so glad I just let go and let God. Come on, anybody else in here glad they let go and let God? I don't even want to think about where my life would be if I would have stayed on that destructive path that I was on. And that's all God's offering you today. He's offering you living water so that you'll never thirst again. But he cares more about your soul than he does giving you things. Praise God. I trust that this message has touched your heart today. Listen, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we do know one answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. So if you don't have a personal relationship with him today, we want to invite you to do so. Or maybe you had one with him, but you've just gotten away, and you're desiring to come back to Christ today. I want to lead you in a simple prayer today. If you would, repeat this after me. Put your hand over your heart and say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that He died, rose from the grave, and He is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth, what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God in Jesus' name. Praise God. We are so excited for you. We believe that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Congratulations. We are so excited that you made the decision to get connected to God.
Thank you for listening today. If this message encouraged or inspired you in any way, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit us at linkedupchurch.com or download the Linked Up Church app. You can also watch live services, view past messages, and see our dynamic content for children, youth, and teens on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Linked Up Church. And if you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at linkedupchurch.com or text Get Connected to 94000. Thanks again for listening. Have an amazing week, and we look forward to connecting with you.